When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool. Walking kind of nowhere and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Broads, we are here. I am so... This is a deep breath. I'm so excited because I don't know if you remember, this was like many episodes ago. When was this? this, Where was I? You had like a family obligation that came up last minute and you missed this guest that I'm about to introduce. But numerous episodes ago, again, before some like Bachelor recap, I'm like, I need to have someone come on this podcast because I need help with my brain right now with everything going on the disagreements there's always something going <laughs> there's always on. something going always on something. these current days so like who who is the best person to come on and obviously I right away thought of Kara Lowenthal Broads if you have not heard this last ep- or the last episode we did together um, it's called Unfuck Your Brain and that is Kara's podcast as well but Becca was a- unable to be here so now we're all together <laughs> Yay. Now we can unfuck two brains at once. Yeah, <laughs> we love. Thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. I was, as I was just saying, you were my last um, in-person podcast interview in the before times. So wow. I feel like in the pre revisiting, yeah, the pre the before times, BC before COVID. Yeah, <laughs> that works. <laughs> um, okay, so can you give it a little bio, a quick about you, yes. so that our listeners um, can know who am I? What do I do? Uh, my, you got my name right, which is always a pleasure, even though. I mean, you'd think that, but people get it wrong all the time. I'm Cara Lowenthal. I'm a um, master certified life coach. And I basically teach women how to identify the ways that they have internalized socialization and messaging about from society about what women should be like or what's important about women or what's valuable about women, all the kind of sexist messages that we're not even always aware of, how those impact your brain. So I teach women how to identify those in their own thought patterns and then how to literally change the way that they think so that they can create authentic confidence, which has to come from inside and how you think about yourself. You can never achieve it through achieving anything outside of yourself, job, Mm. partner, changing what your body looks like, changing your family, any of that kind of external stuff. So that's what I do in a nutshell, help women unfuck their brains, which is why that's what I named my podcast. And the podcast is one of my most favorites, especially because uh broads if you haven't started to listen there's so many that are just like great nuggets where it's like 20 minutes like 15 minutes all of a sudden to start my day i love those kind of episodes we're not so great at doing them but I we're love not so great at because <laughs> well, when you have multiple people talking it's harder i That's mean it's true. just me so i can do 15 minutes but if each of us talk for 15 minutes now we're at 45 already, so. <laughs> that- Great very point. true <laughs> very Great true point. reframe reframe that. <laughs> um you also are a harvard graduate lawyer which to me, I just, I can never get over it. I also didn't realize you could have a master's, master's in life coaching. Uh, no, as well, I have a, I have a master coach certification. So, oh, okay. 
I'm not sure if there are, there are some universities do have like certificates in coaching. I don't know if anybody offers a master's degree in it yet. Um, yes, I used to be a lawyer. I was a reproductive rights and women's rights lawyer, Wow. Um, but I am, I am no longer a lawyer. I had did not, but did I let my bar membership lapse, which for a lawyer is like, you've truly gone over to the other side. Like <laughs> now you can like never get back. Like lawyers just are risk averse. Yeah. Like my father never even practiced law. He went to law school like 45 years ago, never even practiced law. And I think he's still an active member of his bar because we're just like, you never know. What if someday you have to go in there, represent yourself. I'm always like, I'm going to hire a real lawyer then. If I ever <laughs> need to go in somewhere. Full, yeah, full commitment. Um, okay. So, this is one of our big things, Kara, is okay. obviously, I mean, the current times have led to a lot of divisive feelings. <laughs> I mean, there's so much there's so much I think that's gone into it. So one, you have people who have been cooped up in their houses. I mean, I guess most of the country on like California is uh been released but i guess here in la we're still feeling very much in the quarantine like everyone went into at the end of march so you have that people are stuck inside their houses they're stuck with people maybe they don't want to be stuck with they're you know we're all creatures of habit so people are out of their normal loops then of course we have the huge election coming Mm -hmm. up in november which is a really big deal then we have everything happening in the wake of george floyd and a whole like sort of mini civil rights revolution that is continuing on, maybe not even mini. I mean, there's like so many things going into this sort of pressure cooker. And then we're also having a lot of natural disasters too, at least in California. So many people's mm-hmm. homes are being threatened by fires right now. It's like it's Louisiana. Nuts. I mean, yeah. Colorado, I believe yeah. too, uh, there's fires. going. I mean, it, there's just things going on all throughout the nation. And I've, feel like there's been a pressure cooker of a lot of tension bubbling up and a lot of division between even people who are usually united. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we were talking like, and we've had conversations together about how we feel like that there's a few things that this has done, right? Number one, it's obviously bringing up a lot of important topics that need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also that question of, for instance, When I have a conversation um, with a friend of mine about systemic racism and this person does not believe it it exists. And so, of course, rage starts to fill my body and then I want to argue and I think it's necessary to have a conversation. We were talking about getting having these conversations with maybe friends and family who, you know, we said maybe kind of suck. We're talking about (laughs) boundaries. Where is the line that you draw where you're like, I feel like this is something important that we need to talk about. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, when is it, is it too much? Is it too far? Or also like, um, you know, even like you're saying people that suck, it's like, okay, the, the reason you're, I know why you're saying that, but this is something I've been struggling with is, how can I separate someone and their beliefs from who they are? But I sometimes I'm like, should I be doing this? Like, is it really healthy for me to say, no, I'm not going to be around this person. I'm not going to associate with them, et cetera, if they believe X and Y. And maybe for some people, it's about like setting a healthy boundary because like, you know, if you're, let's say, a black person and you're friends with someone who doesn't believe that like racism in the U.S. exists, you might need to set a boundary like for your own emotional and mental health. But like for me, for example, like 
do I, you know, do I maybe have like, a, how do I navigate that if I'm mm-hmm. not feeling directly like threatened by this person's belief, but I feel like their beliefs and stuff are threatening others. How do you navigate that? And, mm-hmm. and uh, because also I think a big issue that's going on with the upcoming election is that it, things have become so divided that we are unwilling to listen to anyone that disagrees with us. And I find myself very guilty of this, of being like, I don't want to ha- I don't want to talk to this person. I don't want to engage with them and like, fuck them. Bye bye. (laughs) Um, But what, you know, does that really great? And does that create more problems? This is all stuff that Justin and I have been pondering. So maybe we're kind of, maybe I'm kind of word vomiting right now, but it's. I don't know. I think everybody's asking these questions. Um, So I think that the, (laughs) so you discover the first time you get coached, usually your coach is like, well, I'm not going to answer that question. That's Mm -hmm. not even the right question. We're going to answer a different question. But I think that, right, we, the question, the way that I work really focuses on the idea that your thoughts create your feelings, which create your actions, right? And so one of the reasons that humans get stuck in like not knowing what to do, like, is it better for me to engage the person or is it better for me to not engage the person? Or what's the better way to be an ally? Or like, what's the right boundary? Is that we're trying to decide what action to take when we're not clear in our thinking yet, Mm. right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. we haven't, it's like you have like a, um, like a tangled mess of thread and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to try to figure out which, like how to thread this needle over here, even though back here is this huge tangle. And so no matter what I do over here, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to feel aligned. Right. So I always want to back up and say, the question isn't what should I do? The question is always, how do I want to think and feel about any given situation? Because the truth is that, there are a lot of different things you can do and a person can do, right? And people end up coming to different conclusions about what they want to do. But anytime that you are trying to figure out like the right decision, I always say like, you're not going to, there's no certified letter from the universe coming, <laughs> right? You're never going to feel resolved mm-hmm. that way. And if you take an action to try to get away from a feeling that never works, mm-hmm. right? Because you try to change what's around you, but your thought is what's creating your feeling. So if you're feeling angry at someone and you block them, your anger doesn't miraculously evaporate, right? Instead, you go and like talk to a million people about how you blocked them and how wrong they were and you get a bunch of validation and then, right? Like the action doesn't feel attacked. (laughs) I know. You almost went horizontal there. Yeah, just like, oh no. You were like, oh, I got to hide behind the couch. (laughs) Right? So that taking the action never resolves the complicated thought and feeling, especially if you're a woman and you're socialized to always doubt yourself, no matter what you do, then 10 minutes later, you're going to be texting each other being like, well, I don't know. I blocked them, but now I feel guilty. Maybe I shouldn't have blocked them. Maybe that was the wrong decision. Right. So Mm -hmm. you can never get to certainty or peace from taking an action without clarifying how you want to think and feel Mm. about it. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So that's really where I think we have to back up and, and, there's a lot of different questions out there, right? Just from what you two said, like, how do you engage as an ally? How do you engage? How do you think about being an ally? How do you think about it when you're a member of the group that the person is talking about, right? Do I like, am I going to show up different? So I'm Jewish. Am I going to show up differently about like a neo-Nazi, right? Like versus engaging with somebody who I'm not in personal danger from, but I want to be an ally to a group. So like, mm-hmm. the, there's those questions. There's the like, you know, whether, when, how to engage, whether, when, how to draw boundaries, like all of that has to come from how you want to think and feel, right, about Mm -hmm. the interaction in your role. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I personally think, you know, paradoxically, the more that we want to persuade people, I think if we haven't, if we're not managing our mind, the worse a job we do of it, right? Because we get very emotionally attached to them changing their thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. So then now, now we're all invested, Mm-hmm. And now it's not just about them. It's about like our ego and are we doing a good job? And did we get them to change their mind? And they sure. shouldn't think the way they think. And then we get all heated and then they are like, they feel attacked for kind of good reason. Cause we're getting all heated, right? It's actually like completely the opposite. So I, I don't think the question is even like, Oh, I know I want to change everybody's mind. Right. It's like, this is the world. People have all these different opinions. How do I want to show up? And how do I want to think about how I want to show up for the things I believe in? I think that's where you have to start. And it's a more open-ended question, but it's not a flip-flop, do I block or not question. It's like a question you can actually answer and think about. You know, some people want to feel peaceful and loving and certain actions will flow for that. Some people want to feel really energized and activated and different actions will flow from that. Like you have to decide what's the energetic state you want to be in, the feeling, and what thought will create that for you. Hmm. Hmm. Then yeah. how do you navigate uh, once you've sort of clarified that thought maybe of how you want to show up? How do you can you give any tips on how to clarify where the whether the actions that you're then compelled to do fit within that framework? They'll flow naturally. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the thing. It's like we're only back and forth. Like think about a situation where, you know, very clearly like what you believe and what you should do. Right. We've, we all have situations where that's like very clear to us, I think, you know, where we're like, oh, this relationship has to end because X, Y, Z happened. Right. Or like this is I need to say something about this or like, you know, if you have a child and someone says something to your child that you don't think they should say. Right. Mm-hmm. You're like you can very clearly you go into that protective mode of like, absolutely not. Let me like deal with this situation immediately. I know exactly what I want to do. That's not saying you won't second guess it later. Like you still have a human brain (laughs) that's been socialized to do that. But I think we all have situations where we don't, or you just think about like, you know, anything in your life, no matter what example I give, some people torture themselves about it. So I could say like (laughs) getting dressed or what to eat for lunch. Like everybody has something that they, some basic thing they can't figure out how to think about what to do, but we all have things where we can. Mm -hmm. Like I personally am fine going to sleep. I'm like, I'm tired. I'll go to sleep. This isn't a problem. I'm not confused about it. When you have figured out how you want to show up, like what you want to think and feel, your action just flows naturally from that. And so that's why, I mean, it makes for unsatisfying radio in some way, but there isn't like a one size fits all answer. Like for some people, when they clean up the way that they're thinking and how they want to feel, it's going to turn out that They don't want to engage at all because they think like, well, I have this much energy and I'd rather devote it to canvassing in this state. And so I'm not going to spend time on Facebook arguing with people or whatever. Right. And then some people are going to feel like, oh, actually, I think, you know, when when I show up on purpose to just express what I know, I feel very capable of having a lot of these conversations and that doesn't bother me or stress me out. And like, that's a way that I can show up and contribute. So that's what I want to do. Like Mm. the actions are going to look different Mm. based on people's different personalities. I mean, you know, the, (laughs) what I will say as a coach is that it is hard for someone to change their beliefs, even when they want to, it is very, very difficult to, you cannot change someone's beliefs for them against their will, which is what most of us are trying to do when we try to argue with people. Right. That is just extremely ineffective. And so That doesn't mean you shouldn't have those conversations, but that's why I think the much more powerful question is, how do I want to show up? 
when is it important for me to say something for me? Mm. Not because I'm going to change that person, not because I'm imagining the council of allied judgment deciding whether or not I did the right thing, mm. like the angels on the cloud who issue the decision, right? <laughs> Just like, how do I want to feel? Mm. When am I going to want to show up? And so, like, for me, that means sometimes I do say something. I mean, I, I, you know, I could spend all fucking day. I'm sorry. I could spend, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. Yeah, I could spend yes, all, as much. All right. I've been on podcasts where I have to say, like, my podcast is called Unfork Your Brain. <laughs> Unfrick Your Brain. Yeah, un, un, asterisk Your Brain. Um, I could spend all day on Facebook arguing with people about the shit they're saying that's not true. Right? I was like, yeah. that's such a waste of my time, given yeah. the work I have to do in the world. So, you know, so I, fun, you though, have, and horrible and not fun. So fun and not <laughs> See, fun. I don't at the find it fun at all because this is the thing, like all I do all day is try to help people change thoughts that they even want to change. And it's still an uphill battle. So okay. it's not that you can't, of course, I believe we can sometimes persuade and teach and educate. That's all I do is I try to teach people to think about their brains in a different way than they are. Of course, it's possible to change people's minds. But I don't think that kind of, aggressiveness ever does that mm-hmm. i mean i feel like it's like very in these days to just yell at people for being stupid and ignorant and racist which go for i'm not saying that's wrong or morally bad or anything i just don't think it's effective like mm-hmm. that just isn't what changes people's minds mm-hmm. that's just a different project like social ostracism and thought change are two different projects and you can't pretend that they're ever going to go together you have to pick which one you're trying to do Oof. A call out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, broads. I mean, as we're talking about in this episode, 2020 has not been an easy one. We all know that. But no matter how hard life gets, how much crap is thrown at you, it is so important to keep prioritizing your mental health. I think we're learning about that a lot in this episode. And I can speak from personal experience here, broads. If I put my mental health on the back burner, everything else in my life is affected. But finding the right help can be incredibly difficult. Well, BetterHelp is here to take away all of the stress of finding a licensed professional that works for you. BetterHelp is the tool that you need, that I need, that we all need. Mm -hmm. If you've been thinking about seeking therapy, but you weren't sure where to start, they've made it so easy. BetterHelp assesses your specific needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have a huge range of expertise available. So no matter what you're going through, there's going to be a match for you. You can start communicating in under 48 hours and you'll be able to send a message to your counselor anytime from anywhere. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your counselor to help keep you on track. I know a big hindrance that keeps people from seeking out mental health professionals is the cost. Um, But BetterHelp understands that. And because no one should be without help due to finances, um, they've made their services way more affordable than in-person treatment and even made financial aid available. Uh, Your mental health can't wake wait seek the treatment you've been looking for today just so you know broads i recently um took my first session with a uh professional professional therapist at BetterHelp. i had an amazing experience and it's just something so many of us need right now and i needed it and i'm grateful mm. for better help visit betterhelp.com slash broads that's better com slash broads and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional and for all you chatty broads you can get 10% off your first month now at betterhelp.com slash broads that's betterhelp.com slash broads for 10% off 
So knowledge is power, baby. Okay, I live by that, maybe to a fault, but I want to know it all. Uh, If there's info, especially about me, I want to know about it so I can plan and act accordingly because the more you know, the better decisions you can make going forward. And the biggest decisions I can think of are the ones surrounding your family planning. Uh, Why then are so many left in the dark when it comes to their fertility? Well, the fact that fertility tests have traditionally cost sometimes thousands of dollars is definitely one of the reasons that comes to mind. But no more. It's 2020. It's time to normalize having affordable, easy access to all your fertility information with the help of modern fertility. Uh And all it takes is a simple finger prick with their at-home test. Then you mail it back with their prepaid label and you'll have your, your personalized results within 10 days. And this actually works i've said it time and time again but caroline from the um from the bachelor from the season i was on she took a modern fertility test was able to be made aware through that test she just did it randomly she wasn't trying to conceive or anything like that found out that she has a very low follicle or i'm gonna say anything wrong but everything wrong but anyway she ended up going to see a fertility specialist because of her modern fertility results and she's now able to take proactive measures so that she can have children biological children one day they it's a yeah it doesn't matter the age really like you just they help so much and and like you mentioned be traditional testing can cost over a thousand dollars in a doctor's office uh with modern fertility you'll get all the information you need for only a hundred and fifty nine dollars after receiving the results you'll have you'll even have the option to talk to a fertility nurse to plan out your steps um, which is amazing you have the option to actually speak one-on-one to someone Mm. um and if you want kids today or maybe one day or like you're talking about with caroline you can get all that information that you need to make the best decision for you and your family. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash chatty. That means your test is only going to cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash chatty. Modernfertility.com slash chatty. I do have a question pertaining to that about sort of a specific scenario, but I've had a lot of people message us wanting to talk about this on Chatty Broads. Mm-hmm. Some version of this scenario, which is a personal one I'm dealing with right now. So maybe if you could give some ideas on how to navigate yeah. thinking about this sort of thing. I have a personal new example. Yes, I have a new friend who mm-hmm. just, I have a new friend and she, you know, in the beginning of our friendship, I started seeing on social media stuff like certain things she was liking mm-hmm. where it's not just like subtle. It's like, oh, whoa, <laughs> this is really like the opposite of my worldview. And mm-hmm. this is, in my opinion, really hateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hung I was like, whatever, I'm going to give this person a chance. I'm going to hang out with them. I hung out with them. They actually even brought up some of those things. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, oh, I don't agree. But then in my head, I'm going, I don't want to like, is this person, this person knows what I think because they follow me on social media. And I know mm-hmm. that they watch what I say that's in direct opposition to the things that they believe. And so I'm like, oh, is this person like, I, I'm trying, they know, they already know what I think. Should I take the time to like disagree with them and have this conversation? And I was like, no, I, I, I would like to have a pleasant afternoon just hanging out with this person, enjoying mm-hmm. their company. Mm-hmm. And then my my feelings after that first encounter was like, I want I enjoy hanging out with this person. Don't want to talk about those things with them. Uh, But then there's a part of me that feels really guilty because it's like, am I doing 
a bad thing by by associating with this person who believes things that I think are hateful. Is that am I just ignoring this person's huge problematic thinking? Like, am I ignoring that? And is that is that wrong of me to ignore that? And I've seen a lot of versions of this in DMs saying, you Mm -hmm. know, like my but even maybe like my dad, my sister, oh, my best yeah, friend. I think a lot of people feel this conflict. Yeah. But again, I think we have to back up because we can't just start from the premise of, I don't want to talk about this because it'll be unpleasant. Mm. Because that's a whole set of thoughts and feelings you have about conflict or the conversation or not wanting to experience that. And so it's like, we're not starting from a clean slate. Okay. Right. It's like sort of, we're starting from a place of like, well, I'm going to keep all of my thoughts about conflict avoidance or not wanting to be uncomfortable or like not knowing, you know, thinking I don't know how to do a good job at it or like I'm going to feel stressed or I'm going to feel anxious or I'm going to feel frustrated. So we're kind of starting from a place where we know we're going to be like emotionally reactive if we have the conversation. And then it's like human nature to want to avoid. That makes sense. Like I think the belief that I might be holding because I think I have this uh, issue with friends and family. I think most women do, which is probably why you do this work is like, if I love someone or if I'm interested in loving someone, any kind of conflict will jeopardize that mm. loving yes. relationship. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. 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 And you're just like on a kind of fundamental level, you just don't want to have those feelings, right? You're like, the, I mean, the human, you have to, you know, you, our brain is made up of these different levels that evolved over time. And we have, sure, the prefrontal cortex that understands things like principles and social justice and like, what do I believe in? And then we have the primitive kind that's like, yelling is dead. We die if people yell. So let's not do that. Right. And like those, that part of your brain is at, is at play too. So I think we would have to back up. Like if you were my client, I would want to coach you on all of your like avoidance of that, of quote, Mm. even calling it conflict, right. Deciding it would be a conflict, that that's a problem, that it has to feel a certain way. Like all of that stuff has to get cleaned up first until you can't make a choice about whether to have that conversation until you believe that you could feel basically okay, whichever one you did. Mm-hmm. You can't make it from a place of one of these is going to be scary or upsetting or frustrating or angry or terrible. And I'm going to feel a shit, right? Like that, that, or we could just have lemonade and have a nice time. Like your brain is always going to choose. Let's just have lemonade and have a nice time. Not because you're a bad person, just because you have a human brain. Yeah. And if your survival is not directly threatened, you're not going to want to get involved with it in the moment because, you know, humans have evolved to really to be extremely sensitive to social discord and rejection, especially in person, because we used to live in little hunter gatherer tribes and you needed everybody to want to carry you around if you were sick and couldn't, you know, put your work in. You needed everybody to like you. And women are just socialized to think that their value comes from everybody liking them and getting along with everybody and being nice and supportive. So, that's like this big uphill battle. Your brain's never in the moment going to choose to go up that hill Yeah. until you've done the work to like feel neutral would be the goal, but even to feel kind of like, okay, I know that if I do have the conversation, you know, I, we, I t- do a lot of work of teaching women how to process their emotions in ways that so they aren't as overwhelming. So it would be like my goal for somebody wouldn't eventually be to get to a point where they're like, I'll feel the same. Like I'll feel totally neutral if I have the conversation with her. It won't ruin my afternoon. I won't have negative emotions about it. Mm. But even before we could get there, just getting to the place of like, okay, well, like I might find it scary to talk about this. What's going to happen is like my face is going to feel hot and my brain's going to tell me I'm an asshole. And like, that's okay. That doesn't mean those things are true. Like being able to talk themselves to a place of at least yeah. 
willingness. And then you can, from that place, you're really deciding from a clean place. Yeah. Whether or not to have the conversation. Or maybe addressing the fear, which I have, and I'm sure many other people have, the root fear that maybe this person won't want to be around me ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want that. So I want to do things to avoid this person feeling like they never want to see me again. Yeah. And, like, you also, and then there's so much work embedded in that, right? Because why is that a problem? You have to make sure that it's all that you, there's all of this kind of self-worth stuff under that, mm. right? Of like, because the truth is nobody's company is like so incredible that without any like ego or mean self-talk wrapped up in it, we just can't live without it, <laughs> right? Like, so there's all, there's like stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've been going through this. I do a lot of this work on myself. I do all my work on myself, obviously also, but I've been going through this a lot in dating, right? It's like, you'll, my, me or my clients, you'll meet someone, you'll have hung out with them like a few times, right? I mean, your brain all of a sudden acts like, you will literally die if you can't spend time with this person again, right? Like you were fine until a week ago. You'd never even met them before, yeah. right? Like as you've been, you've had 17 other boyfriends in your life. Obviously there's other ones, but your brain is like, nope, we'll die. We will die. Anything horrible <laughs> to not seeing this person again. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, right? <laughs> like what's under that is like all your thoughts about, in that case, your dating life or whether you're good enough or whether you're attractive enough. or So there's, it's like, this is why when you start, it's like Pandora's box, right? There's like, so, and this is why we can't just go with like, yes, the rule is you should always have the conversation or no, the rule is you should never have the conversation or like, it's like, we have to unpack so much stuff that goes into it. So if you, yeah. y- if you have no issue having the, that certain type of discord or conflict or right. whatever you want to call it with like a partner or family member, is that because there's like maybe a feeling of inherent security in that relationship? Like you're not worried about it being jeopardized because we've sort of pondered this before. Security with yourself. Mm. You can never have a total, I mean, most people, you know, maybe for some people, their parents, but like, and maybe for some people, their partner, but truthfully, right. you can't ever, you can't count on anybody else ever to a hundred percent for sure. Never leave sure. you no matter Right. So, yeah, I think like day to day, practically speaking, yes, it's like some relationships feel safe enough to express disagreement and the people have, you know, good processing and communication skills. And so it feels possible to do that. Because it's like I express disagreement with my dad or my boyfriend all the fucking time, you know. I'm like, fuck you. You know, no problem. Right. You feel secure there. But it's also that feeling of security with yourself. And I think different people, there's different categories or types of relationships or types of discussions that tend to send up the flair for them. So like you might feel very secure in your romantic relationships, Mm. but then in friendships, you have these thoughts about like, well, what is this person going to think? Or I don't want to like lose their friendship or whatever. Totally. See, that romantic or familial, I have no See, problems. that's that's so. God, this is. Oh, you always blow my mind. I have that so issue with all my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I'm you do too. We're we something. I think that we inherently were maybe even drawn to each other at the get-go before we knew each other, before the podcast even started, and maybe we just could smell it on the other person. Is that? <laughs> is that we it's we're like that with romantic like i've never had a problem even if i was casually dating Me some too. guy to just be like well this is what i think and just yeah. go off but or, when it, um no yeah just like <laughs> no problem but with my specifically my female friendships yes i'm so insecure and i'm like i need you to like me <laughs> like yeah. and, and there's that even friendships for me that have been around decades yeah yeah. yeah. And like I'm the really opposite. Scary. I have to do the work in my romantic life mm, more. Okay. And in my friendships, I'm like, 
I feel it's not just that I feel secure in them. I also am like, if somebody doesn't want to be friends with me because of X, Y, Z, like, fine, then, you know, they're lost. That's devastating for me. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right. So it's like you start this is and this is why, right? We can't be like, oh, here's the rule about whether or not the conversation or not. It's like each question like that is an opening into, oh, I have this whole thought pattern about friendship that has to do with all these thoughts about myself. Like, I got to clean up all that shit before I'm ever going to know whether to like have the conversation or not. Could you break down why, like, possibly, obviously, it might be a lot of generalizing, but why maybe some people would have insecurity with themselves in relation to friendships versus family versus romantic? Because, like, why might we feel confident or secure um, in ourselves or insecure in certain other areas? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's like that old nature versus nurture question. It's Mm -hmm. probably a combination of different things. Like, I think for me... Why not? Why not tell all your family's business on national? <laughs> hey, this is what we do about with ourselves. Let me try to say this slightly diplomatically. Uh, I think maybe it depends on what's modeled for you in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just, my parent. I will say, growing up, my parents always had. Um, they always had a lot of separate friends, and they had very long term friendships. Like what I saw and learned about friendship. I see like light bulbs going off over. Yeah, no, my brain is on fire right now. (laughs) Yeah. Do I think it's all that? Who knows? There's like so much social messaging. You're probably some of your, you know, maybe your formative experiences as a child. Like in coaching, I don't spend a ton of time on like, why are you this way? Because I just think it's more important. You know, I think the premise sometimes of talk therapy is like, well, once you get that insight about why you're this way, it'll all change. Sometimes it's like, well, then now what the fuck? (laughs) Well, that's what coaching is for. That's what I felt like. Like when I got left therapy, I was like, great. Now we know exactly why I'm like going after these emotionally unavailable men. So should I just text you every time I do it? (laughs) Watch me keep doing it. Like what's the rehab plan here? Like you went to the doctor and they were like, man, your meniscus is torn. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's why you can't walk. And then they were like, all right. See you next week. <laughs> are we going to repair it? Or like, is there surgery? Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> you can help me out over here. That's what coaching. Yeah. They're like, here are your crutches. Good luck. Like that to me, that's what coaching is about. Is like changing those thought patterns. But I do think it can be helpful sometimes to like seeing the ideology or like what caused the, the pattern can be helpful to just get you that little bit of distance of like, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't just objective reality. Yes. Like this, I see how maybe I learned this and it's not the only way to think about things. Right. Maybe I didn't feel, maybe I wouldn't have felt this way had this not happened. And I think there's something that might yeah, be a little and not freeing in a, like, about so, that. Poor me, I'm a victim now way because we're all going to get patterned. Right. What is that? This, what's the thing about being a parent? It's like your kid's going to end up in therapy no matter what you do. Sure, like, of course. Right. It's just, it's not like one's better than the other. It's just seeing it, seeing where it comes from, I think sometimes help you see like there's other ways I could be or think about this this, this is not something like, inherently wrong with me yeah and it's not like the only possible reality like there's another way to think right it. it's that it's that understanding of like oh okay i'm not just like i'm not a freak because i am so insecure about my relationships and my friendships with other women it's like oh when you're talking about that i'm like oh yeah. 
both my parents coming from a very conservative home, it was very much like you're yoked together. They didn't really have any friends except each other. There was this major just so then any other friendship could be competitive because there was weird affair. Mm -hmm. Like it was just a whole thing. So it's like, oh, this is all this kind of makes sense. All making sense. It makes you feel a little settled. Yeah. And I saw friendships just fall through like on my mom's end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like just people who maybe wasn't even her fault. People who like abandoned her, ghosted her or whatever, who were like her close Uh, friends, people who were... Or there'd be a disagreement coming to maybe a scriptural disagreement or something church-wise where you'd see it, then they're like, (laughs) well, it never happened in my house. (laughs) Disagreement with a friend. (laughs) Or even just the dissolvement of a friendship, Mm -hmm. which maybe it wasn't, maybe it just was something that had to be, but maybe the way that I saw it growing up was just like, oh my God, friendships could end at any minute. They're Mm -hmm. fragile and like they're not forever. Yeah, sometimes there's nothing even pathological going on. It's just you're a kid. You don't understand everything. Like things hit you in a certain way or you're just at a certain age and something like sticks with you, you know, it's like, yeah. who knows? Hmm. And then just all your, you know, and then as you have a thought pattern, you create more and more evidence for it. Right. So you like keep acting it out and then it seems more and more true. Right. So if you're like, if your thing is about relationships, then you keep dating emotionally unavailable people or going after people who aren't interested in you. So you prove to yourself more and more that that's unstable. And if your thing is about friendships, you do that with friends, right? And so then by the time you're 20, 30, 40, you're like, well, I have so much evidence mm. that this is the case, right? It's just that you've created it all. Mm. You got It's like, there's all that stuff to clean up before you decide who you want to be friends with and why, right? Because it's like that question can't just go, we can't just like assume that we, you know, that's, the, I think the, the big thing about thought work is we're never, we can't, your brain, the way your brain will pose a question to you is like usually wrong, right? Usually like takes for granted a bunch of beliefs that maybe aren't true. There's all these assumptions baked into it. It's like, you have to unpack all of that stuff. Like, well, why do I want to be friends with this person? What would I think if the friendship didn't work out? Hmm. Oh, turns out I think, see, you can never keep friends. There's something wrong with you. Okay. Well, now we're not talking about a neutral playing field for me to make this decision because this is what I'm telling myself will happen if mm-hmm. the person has a certain thought about me. So now I, of course I'm not motivated to lean into that. Now I got to clean all that up. And then I would be able to know. What would that look like? Can you imagine feeling secure in <laughs> yourself when it comes to relating to people and friends? Wow. But you guys, here's the amazing thing though. You guys are both able to do that in your relationships. And so you can extrapolate, like that's something to practice doing is to practice like calling up the and looking at the thoughts. I would like write down, mm. like, what are all the thoughts that keep you feeling? Why do you feel so secure seeing your husband or fiance or boyfriend? Like, fuck you. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. You're being racist <laughs> right now. Like why? <laughs> right. Like, why does that feel okay? Just because of a thought you have about it. It's not, it's not, that's the thing. It's not because of some like generalized security that's really out there. Like that's not, it's just thoughts. So like you can look at like, what are the thoughts that I unintentionally, but get a practice and get a great result from in my relationship all the time. And like, these are the things that I would want to believe about my friendships. Mm -hmm. And what does it feel like when I'm thinking those thoughts? Okay. That's the feeling I want to create in my friendships. Like you have the, it's like you've made the sample and now we just have to like do it in a different pattern. Yes. I mean, because I can think about all these times where I've had arguments and makeups and conflict resolution all the time with partners so much so that it's uh, automatic. But Jess, can you think about how many times you've had true like conflict or fights with friends and then it's just 30 minutes later been like, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. And it hasn't been awkward the next time you've, or you haven't made it awkward the next time you've hung out or like, no, I'm, it's been, it's <laughs> typically like either I, I never say anything and then it just like builds up and grinds and grinds or it, 
becomes this huge thing where then it's like an explosive thing and then it's a whole drama after but it's like yeah just having just doing some of this thought work it's like okay i i'm thinking okay like look think about my patterns with my significant other partners that i've had in the past and it's like oh some of my insecurities are so deep in female relationship because i'm like i want you to like me so badly and there's maybe something about partners and maybe it's related to sex that maybe sometimes i put my piece of security in that sometimes too heavily maybe i don't know if it's too heavily sexual attraction yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's kind of like you know i'm secure with my my dap my dry ass pussy because She's not wet very often. (laughs) She needs lube. In an area where you feel secure, relationships can end, and you're like, "All right, I'll find a new boyfriend." Yeah, and it's a little bit like, "Oh, okay," but yeah, on not like you're not sad or upset, but you don't don't immediately go to this place of like the same place you go when a friendship thing happens. Yes, like the belief matters so much more Mm. than what the actual facts of the scenario are. Yes, right. I've always said in dating, it's like, "Oh, take me or leave me." Like. You're missing out right. then if you don't want to date me. But with a friendship, I'm like, take me or take me, please. Or I'm going to die. Like you said, or I'm going right, to die. Right. So it's if like, you don't how like can me. you bring that attitude of mm. take me or leave me? Yeah. To your friendships where you're like, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is what I stand for. This is how I like to eat my salads. Like whatever. Right? <laughs> this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Take it or leave it. Mm. That's the work. But it's amazing wow. when you've already done it in one area because you can start to get your brain just bit by bit, like kind of, I actually like to think of it almost as like, I'm like, I don't, it's like a side to side movement in my brain. I'm like, osmosis. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> feels here. I know nobody can, I, if you're listening to this, you can't see me, but I'm like, okay, I like get into that state here. I like think those thoughts. I'm like, all right, this is how it feels. And now I'm like, okay, sh- we're going to move over here. Yeah. I just try to like, emo- it doesn't last. It's just a, a microsecond. Right. But it's mm-hmm. almost like you can trick your brain into like keeping that emotional state and then being like, okay, what if we thought that about friends? And then like you get it for a second and then it's gone. And you just keep practicing. Mm. Where do you start with people if they don't have any thing that they can pull from, you know, like what if yeah. they feel insecure in themselves in all types of relationships with other yeah. people. I mean, if you dig deep enough, this is what's so interesting about the ego. Even when you're super mean to yourself, you ask, my experience is if you ask most people, even who hate themselves, if they would want to be someone else specific and have that person's like brain, not just their life, like not like, do you want to live in their amazing house and have their handsome sure. husband? But right. <laughs> you want, like, sure. Yes, yeah. Sign me up. That sounds good. I like yachts, but like, do you, (laughs) would you want to like, if you had to lose your own consciousness, Mm. right? Like your own idea of being yourself, your own experience of it and just have somebody else's consciousness. Almost everybody will say no. Mm -hmm. Even when they don't like themselves. It's just (laughs) too weird, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, there is actually something in you that you identify with that you want to keep. Mm. So sometimes I start there. Um, most people can find some area. I'm like, I mean, sometimes I'll just be like, do you feel like confident that you can get out of bed and get dressed in the morning? Most people do. Like most people have some, you know, most of us are getting through the day somewhat. If you're like completely non-functional, then coaching is not the first modality you should be dealing with. Like that's time for a different kind of mental health professional help. Um, but a lot of people are like pretty insecure in a lot of most areas of their lives. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I do a lot of, we might have talked about this on the, f- the first episode I was on. So if people, sorry to repeat it, if so, but I focus a lot on um, neutral baby step thoughts 
to like, so what we've been talking about is actually kind of a high level thing where you're like, oh, I already have this strong set of thoughts and feelings in this area. And I'm going to try to like, see if I can just kind of migrate them over. It's like Mm -hmm. a lateral move, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) instead, if you don't have that, you got to like start building up a vertical ladder very, very slowly. And you can do both. They're not, these aren't at odds, these techniques, you can do both of them. And, you know, I would probably, I look, I would do both. If I was trying to work on a new area, I would both be like, okay, here's the goal. I want to feel like as good in this area as I do in this one. And I see how, what that might be like, but now how am I going to build my way there? You start with like very basic little thoughts, like, and sometimes it's really as basic as like, I'm willing to believe that what my brain is saying to me might not be a hundred percent true. You know, or like, I'm willing to believe that my brain is not completely reliable about what's happening right now. Anywhere from that to like practicing intermediate thoughts, like with um, body image, which I do a lot of work on as a place, neutral thoughts are really helpful. And so for instance, if your thought is like, my stomach is disgusting and I hate it, right? Going straight to like, I'm a beautiful, glorious goddess, which is like what positive affirmations tell you to do doesn't work for 99.99% of people. I'm being generous in assuming the people teaching it, it did work for, although maybe it's just bullshit. So I'll teach like, (laughs) practice something like this is a human stomach. Many people have stomachs that look like this. A stomach is not the only indicator of my worth. It's possible there are attractive parts of me, even though I have the stomach. Like it's this, I always say like a good neutral thought would not be a good like pin, Pinterest or Instagram inspirational mm-hmm. quote. Like don't, you're not, you wouldn't put it on a beach background and get 800 <laughs> likes mm-hmm. on Instagram. <laughs> like it should be non-inspirational, something you actually believe and mm. practice. <laughs> All so older people like, get yeah. wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, so like you'd have to figure out whatever your thought about friends are. Like, you know, if somebody doesn't want to be my friend, it means XYZ about me. And then we would practice something very neutral. Like, it's possible that this person isn't the ultimate judge of whether I'm XYZ. Or like, it's possible that, you know, my worth doesn't depend on what this person I met two weeks ago thinks. Or, mm. you know, like, <laughs> just mm-hmm. a little bit, a little, little bit. Not all friendships are meant to last forever. That kind of thing. Not all friendships are meant to last forever. Yeah. I mean, I think that is not going to be super helpful when the problem is. <laughs> the problem is because our brain's like, yes, let's try that. Yeah. That's I'm so like, true. I think you've tried that already and it hasn't helped, but here's why. It's so point. true. Good point. That was my first thought about a neutral thought. It's like, yeah, maybe those are the neutral thoughts that are cycling a little bit too much in my brain. Yeah, but I don't think it's, yeah, but it's not helpful. Right. <laughs> Here's why, because you're, what you really have is a two part, like, so is this actually a great example to dissect? Because this is what happens a lot when people try to come up with neutral thoughts. They, I, they try to pick something that like makes it okay that the bad thing is happening Mm. without questioning whether it's a bad thing. Right. So it's sort of like, I call it like a silver lining where it's like, oh, it's raining, but the silver lining is. So in your case, like, okay. Your problem isn't that some friendships don't don't last forever. Your problem is what you make it mean when a friendship doesn't last forever about yourself. Right. So telling yourself that lots of friendships end, your brain's like, yeah, because you fucking suck. That's right. why And <laughs> so like that doesn't solve your problem, right? Because, because like, arguments happen. That's why friendships don't last forever. Because yeah. if you get in an argument, the friendship and will be there's over. Something, and there's something wrong with you and bad. So of course some friendships would end. So like we need to go to the, you need to look at like what you're making it mean about yourself and that's where you need a neutral thought. 
Well, broads, summer is winding down, which sounds insane because it's currently 110 degrees in Los Angeles and I'm 25 seconds away from melting into a puddle. But trust me, before you know it, we will be swapping our bathing suits for sweaters and our flip flops for boots. Mm -hmm. And aside from sweaters and boots, nothing screams fall uniform to me personally more than classic fine jewelry pieces from one of my favorite brands, Majori. Don't let the label fine jewelry turn you off either because Majori is changing the landscape, making fine jewelry that works for every day. It's handcrafted. It's ethically sourced. And here's a big one, Broads. It's fairly priced. Think 14K gold hoop earrings, personalized necklaces, stackable rings that won't turn your fingers green no matter how long you keep them on for. All affordable. Ugh, it's the gorgeous jewelry that is high quality and ethically sourced for an affordable and reasonable price for me, babe. Okay, so at Majori, everything is made with the highest quality material so the green fingers don't happen and the pieces are designed to last. And they're so cute. And they're so cute! Um, I swear I never take my majority pieces off. They live on me day after day and they still look as good as the day I bought them. I have, I'm wearing earrings right now and rings right now for majority currently. I wear them every single day. I wear them in the shower. I never take them off. They are still in the best condition. I'm so impressed by the durability and the quality. I love I love all of their designs. I'm surprisingly not wearing my majority today but I am almost every day that really cute um, little Zodiac do so Zodiac I have my little Zodiac rings. earrings on They're I got so my cute. Zodiac oh so cute um, yeah you just you just have to go online and check out you'll browse for hours trust and believe mm-hmm. <laughs> and we may be going nowhere but we're definitely getting dressed and looking good in our homes yes. some of us, some of us, at least us. <laughs> we're, we're trying <laughs> us look at us um, look and you can feel your best with fine jewelry that's made to last get free shipping on all US and Canadian orders plus easy returns and a two year warranty just visit Majori.com slash chatty and use promo code chatty10 for 10% off your order that is M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash chatty and use promo code chatty10 for 10% off your order well broads for the last few months I've been on the hunt for a good protein powder to add uh, into my daily routine unfortunately I'm pretty skeptical because I've burned uh been burned by many protein powders in the past because they taste horrible or when i check the ingredients the supposed clean or organic powders are full of ingredients that i've never seen or i don't mm. understand um but then i decided to ta- try truvani simply because of the overwhelming amount of five-star reviews i saw online and let me tell you broads truvani did not disappoint me well i prefer to eat plant-based as much as possible which means finding a protein powder isn't easy most contain dairy whey and at the very least are full of really weird ingredients that sound like creatures in a sci-fi movie. Um, They're not ingredients I want going into my body. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons I love Truvani. None of the crap. Their vanilla and chocolate protein powders have less than six ingredients, each simple, and their ingredients you can pronounce and recognize. There's no fillers or quote-unquote natural ingredients. It's even USDA, USDA organic and vegan certified. You had me at the word chocolate. Mm. Uh, and if you're flooded with memories of chalky, uh, faux chocolate flavored protein powders of the past, like I was, I can promise you. I like that. Truvani tastes nothing like those. It is delicious. Um, I like to add mine to my morning smoothie because it's the easiest way to pile on 20 grams. Yes, 20 grams of protein first thing in the morning. Plus the fact like it, that it tastes like dessert doesn't hurt. Um, but because Truvani is so quality and so clean with those six ingredients or less, I like to just add it to my oatmeal in the morning 
baking as well. Or my new favorite trick is baking with Truvani. I've been making these bliss balls with Truvani, and oh my God, it is so good. And if you actually go on Truvani's website, they have a whole page dedicated to recipes you can make with their protein powders, including golden milk, brownies. I mean... Wow, I've not taken it. I will be. You you better because Um, it's delish. Love it. You will not regret. Truvani has a special opportunity for all you broads too. You can get a protein powder gift pack, including a full size bag in your choice of flavors for a full 50% off, half off, plus extra free gifts from Truvani, including an amazing glass straw. Hello, sustainable broads. Mm -hmm. This is a $99 value now and you can get yours for just $29.99. To get the full protein powder gift pack for just $29.99 plus free gifts, text CHATTY to 64000. You do not want to miss out on this amazing offer from Chuvani. You just have to text CHATTY to 64000 today. That's 64000 today. Hmm. Okay. So moving backwards from that kind of thought of like not, not all friendships last forever. How would... How? Well, so like, tell me why it's a problem if someone doesn't want to be your friend. What does it mean about you? Um, I'll say it about yeah, me. Go for it. Um, yeah, to I'll me, probably feel the same way. To, to <laughs> me, what it means is that um, often for me, it means that I'm not um, an overall like good person. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. break it down into they. My insecurity is that you like me initially. Everybody likes me initially, but then you get to know me and I disappoint you. Oh, okay. So then we need a thought that goes to that. (laughs) It's unfortunate that it's true. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She's like, actually, I've been meaning to tell you. We've been meaning to talk about this. this. You're deeply disappointing. I'm not into it. I'm deeply disappointed in you. Cara just broke us up. Yeah, she's like, this is like as good a time as any to let you know. No, but it's but it's 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 very often like I'm very aware of my and I'll put them in quotations flaws. Yeah, I'm very aware of my (laughs) quotes flaws, and I'm like, how many air quotes can we do? How many air quotes can I put around flaws? But I disappointing though is an interesting specific word to use. Like, yes, that's very. What do you you mean by that? Um, I feel like people think that I'm going to be someone who like you're not as fun. Or like, no, I think I'm always, I feel pretty confident that I'm a good time. It's the more intimate friendship piece that throws me off that I feel like people think I'm going to be able to handle a lot of emotional, a lot of their emotions and their needs. And I I have actually, in my opinion, maybe a smaller backpack. I can only Mm -hmm. handle I can only handle so much emotional baggage from someone because I'm processing my own and my own mental health. And so then often I feel like I disappoint people because they think I'm going to be that friend. A shoulder to cry on. Who's who's and I and I like to be a shoulder to cry on sometimes, but who's there anytime they need to call at 3 a.m. and is always down to like show up. This is such a beautiful example. Okay, good. If somebody on the bus was like, hey, you look like you should hear my life story and solve all my problems. And that's what happens to me, Kara. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club. How do you think yeah. I show up for that example? <laughs> like, welcome to my work every single day. That bitch that gets stuck in the corner yeah. with that person talking about okay, their parents' so divorce. If your thoughts cause your feelings, mm-hmm. what causes other people's feelings? Their thoughts. Wait, say that again. If your thoughts cause your, if your thoughts cause your feelings, what causes other people's feelings? 
their thoughts. Their thoughts. Their thoughts. Yeah. Right. right. Your, their thoughts cause their feelings. Your thoughts cause your feelings. Two completely separate processes happening. Two different machines running. Right. Right. So when you are afraid someone will be disappointed, mm-hmm. you're afraid that they're going to have a thought and a feeling, mm-hmm. neither of which you cause. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But also, you don't want them to call you at 3 a.m., do you? No, I do not. <laughs> I'd like to sleep. <laughs> Perfect. So then, why is it a problem that they might feel disappointed? The only problem is that you make that mean I'm a bad person. Right. Often when we try to coach ourselves, we try to convince ourselves that other people won't have those thoughts about us. Mm-hmm. That's not effective because they might. Mm-hmm. Someone totally might be like, I heard you call Jess at 3 a.m. So I want to be friends with her because I have a lot of 3 a.m. phone calls to make. And then they find out that they can't call you at 3 a.m. They might feel disappointed. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem until you decide that the correct response to that in your brain is, oh, it means I'm a bad person. Mm. Yeah. As opposed to like, what the fuck? Why would you think you could call me at 3 a.m.? We just met last week. Like, no, thank you. Right. (laughs) Or whatever. Right. The only problem is that you make that about your worth as a person. So what you would want to do, I think, is practice thoughts that have that go to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. My worth as a person can't be determined by what other people decide they make up in their own brains they want from me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, what if somebody's like, listen, if you don't give me your child and your dog. That's what I want. I'm I, I am personally disappointed that you will not send Boris to live with me. I'm obsessed. <laughs> and you know what? You know the, the, the where how much work I have to do, Kara, is that if you ask me enough times, I'd be like, maybe I should be sending Boris over to Kara. <laughs> right, <laughs> maybe so, that's what she have, needs, so that's the right thing. Right. So you have no boundaries there, right? Like Correct. you don't believe that you have the right to exist or to have ownership of your own time or energy or even <laughs> pets, apparently. <laughs> So this is like deep work, right? This mm-hmm. is why when coaching starts, when you start doing this work, you can feel a little bit like you're like, I just thought I had this tiny problem with people who want to call me at 3 a.m. And now it turns out I don't even think I deserve my dog. But like when you dig into this work, like that is the core of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That works. So, you know, most women, I would say basically every coaching in the whole world goes back to people's worth. I mean, it's just, it's mm-hmm. all like the end of every coaching session is basically like, well, this is, we still work on the specific things, but this is what everybody struggles with, right? Is feeling unworthy, mm-hmm. feeling not good enough, feeling sh- ashamed of themselves. And that's mm-hmm. what all the work is about. So and that's not a problem. That just means, you know, you have to decide what you want to think about your worth and what determines it, right? It doesn't make yeah. any sense to be like, whoever I happen to talk to gets to decide what I have to give them in order to prove my worth. Like, so that they don't feel disappointed. Right? Yeah, what a crazy system. Yeah. Somebody was like, well, I want your child. And somebody else was like, well, I want to have sex with you here on the street. And somebody else was like, you should shave your head and give me your hair. Like, people could come up with anything. You can't base your worth on that. That's true. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I like to think of worth as we're just born. Either we all have it the same or none of us have it at all. It's all made up. It's just a human concept. But if it's going to be one of those... I'm going with, we all have the same. We're born with it. Hmm. Can't do anything about it. I guess that's sort of an issue that we, you know, bleh, bleh, that you might need to process through if you don't maybe fundamentally believe that about other people. Like maybe I actually don't believe that everyone has equal worth. Yeah, but that's because you don't believe you have equal worth. It's hmm. really all coming from our own beliefs about hmm. ourselves. Equal worth doesn't mean like you want everybody to be your best friend or they should all be president, right? But like we do think 
I mean, like, why do we think it's okay if you murder someone in the woods and no one ever finds out, even if they don't have any friends or family? No. Right. Mm -hmm. We just think there's something inherent. Most of us think there's something inherent. You're not supposed to murder people, even if no one would care. You're just not, we're just not going to do that, right? They were a really bad person. See, maybe that's coming back to my feelings of self-worth. Maybe I'm scared that I'm a really bad person. Yeah. Because maybe I'm like, yeah, because my initial thought was like, well, maybe if that person was like a pedophile rapist, like then kill them in the forest. They're better, we're better off without them. Like that's kind of where my mind is. Yeah, but then you're going to like their actions, right? And Mm -hmm. I just, we want to like, then there's a whole reason, right? Do we, do we think for instance that we should just... I think we have to separate, like, this is where we people get conflated is just separate actions from intrinsic worth. Because hmm. the problem is your brain doesn't know the difference between rape, pedophilia impacts your intrinsic worth and, like, whether you're going to give that per- answer that person's phone call. Like, once you decide that people's actions can change their intrinsic worth, in my experience, that's just a slippery slope in your brain. Hmm. Like, your brain yeah, does not have sense. Your brain doesn't have the capacity to be like, okay, only in those extreme categories, but I totally won't ever question whether my actions change my intrinsic worth. I find you just like, you got to go with like, we for sure might be like, some people should be in jail or some people should not, you know, be out and about because of the way that they act. But that's different, you know, that's different from their intrinsic worth. And Mm. I don't think any of what I'm saying is like, this is the truth from God. I'm just, I think we all get to choose what to think. But this is what I find works for me. Like, basically, I think as soon as you make your worth dependent on how you act, it's just a never ending process of negotiation and self-flagellation and beating yourself up and stress. It's just like such a waste of time and energy. Mm. And it actually makes it harder to change your actions because you've made them so weighty. Mm. So any misstep is then a reflection of whether or not you're like a good person or bad person. And so then every single thing you're going to be hung up on, like, oh, do I do this? Like try and give up all of that. When you're like, if you can believe you're worthy, no matter what, it becomes much easier to change your behavior if you want to. And you're actually much nicer to other people because you're not constantly feeling unworthy and like vigilant to see if anybody else has noticed that you're unworthy. (laughs) Because then that does become sort of an ego centered battle, right? It becomes all about you, all about you, all about you. This is the big misconception is that loving yourself would make you arrogant. Like, you know, who's really self-involved people who hate themselves. That's Mm. who spends all their time thinking about themselves. Obsessing over. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because if you love love yourself, yourself, you just don't. It's like when you love a partner or a pet, like when you think about them, you're like, oh, I feel good. But you're not constantly obsessing over every little, you know, Mm -hmm. thing they do. I mean, I take a lot of pictures of my cat, but like (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't keep me up at night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So this went deep. But to circle back, that's what I would be practicing for you. It's like you have this thought that other what other people that your worth is impacted Mm -hmm. by whether other people get what they want from you, which they're just totally allowed to make up whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And that is a crazy system. That's like the giving tree, right? That's why that's a terrible book for girls to read. <laughs> like the kid shows up and he's like, I want apples. I want wood. I want this. And then she's like, okay, I'll just cut everything off of me and give it. To <laughs> oh I know it's so sad. I know, it's it's really the other a sad day book. And I was like, this is the most depressing book yeah, I've ever read in my what entire life. That's what you're doing, right? You're like, whatever somebody else randomly decides they want from me, if I don't give it to them. Oh my god! I'm giving training myself (laughs) till I'm just a stump, and then I'm grateful that someone will sit on me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're born with it. You're born with your worth. 
I don't think anything can change that. Hmm. It makes life a lot easier if you just work on believing that. And it does, I mean, I, I can just imagine how then it would, that would impact circling back to what we were talking about just at the very beginning of this, that like, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the conversations with family and friends, for instance, with certain things going on, like with my friend having this conversation about systemic racism. It's something that I believe passionately that needs to be spoken about, but I'm so concerned with how other people are viewing me and disappointing someone that I do one of two things. And that's either avoid the conversation or that is um, attack that person in a conversation because another friend thinks that's what I should be doing and standing up. Neither one feels good. And neither one feels right to me. And if I feel like I had the, like, I, 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 I'm, I know when you're talking about like knowing, it's like, I know that I could have a conversation with this person and that I have the capability of being calm, expressing what I've learned recently and just having an open conversation. Obviously I can't control how the friend's going to react, but I know that I could, but this need to not disappoint people has me react kind of in one extreme or the other. Well, right. You're like, I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want them to be mad at me. Or I don't want to disappoint the other person I'm imagining was mad at me. Humanity. <laughs> Humanity, yeah. Right. yeah. So it's like, but it, it's totally different when you show up like, this is something that's important to me. So I'm going to speak on it to be in integrity with myself. Yes. Right? Yes. And like, it may not be the way other people think I should do it. And some people will say, I'm, I mean, you guys know your public personas. I, you're right. Some people tell people think I'm way too loud and feminist and people think I'm way too conservative and not feminist and not, you know, it's like, all there's going to be a million opinions, right? It's like, you can never please them all. Literally impossible. But if you try, Mm -hmm, right. But mm -hmm. so all you can do is show up and be like, here's what I believe. And here's what I'm going to share. Like, I'm going to speak on this because it's important. And the truth is like, that's the least egoful thing to do, right? Like it's ego driven when you're either trying to, when you're either like reacting defensively to someone having a different opinion from you. Yeah. Right. Like that is like you, your ego and brain cognitive distance can't tolerate that. That's ego. Right. Or when you're doing it to try to like prove to yourself that you're a good person, neither of those Mm. things necessarily are actually good for the cause. Right. And it seems like it would then allow, because there wouldn't be the dissonance there and like the loud noise it would allow for then someone, maybe someone else to step in and offer new knowledge that I could be like, oh, I'm hearing this and I'm seeing this for what you're like, like the, the knowledge that you're bringing. And I'm able to hear from it and grow depending on, you know, if that like, because I'm, I'm thinking from the perspective of maybe, you know, myself numerous years ago where I wouldn't allow myself to think certain things that I believe in passionately now because I'd be like, no, it's wrong. I can't think about that. But when you're silencing that dissonance, I would imagine that it allows the opportunity then to be able to actually see what's really going on around and actually grow. We actually have a conversation. Yes. I wanted to comment though, because I did feel, I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe we make a value judgment too much about like calm. Like if we're not being calm during the conversation, then that's like somehow wrong Mm -hmm. or we're not doing the conversation right. I don't think it's wrong or bad. I just think it's ineffective in terms of changing someone else's mind if that's what you're actually trying to do. Sure. I was just thinking about when when we were 
talking about like how can we shift things over from yeah. relationships and i was thinking how like we can easily have with our partners a conversation where we're like that's not like that's not true what you're saying is not true right. like and that kind mm-hmm. of conversation yeah. we would feel yeah. really uncomfortable having with a friend and it's like yes, what yes, we yes, feel yes. like yeah. like that um, automatic value judgment in our mind is like that's yeah. the wrong way to have a converse like a <laughs> right conversation when yeah, maybe yeah, yeah sorry i misunderstood yeah i think you know what i mean like we're making it, yeah. it like that the right way to be to talk with a friend is like to be very calm and to be like yes like and now right, what like do you have, have to any say conflict or any like real emotion right which might not be being yeah. true to who we are in terms of true like how we might talk to a family member or partner and being like you're not listening to me this is what i just said and like blah 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 and like having that very sort of right. honest dialogue that we could have very freely with of uh in a in a dynamic we feel mm-hmm. confident in yeah. you know yeah and it's definitely not about like tone policing how people should talk about things there's a right way right it's just I think it's like again it's almost like like the like how loud your voice is or whatever else that's almost like kind of that action again I'm always just like let's back up how are you thinking and feeling going into this right is your mind in a place of like I feel passionately about this so yeah maybe my voice is gonna get louder at some point or I'm gonna whatever like maybe I'm gonna cry because I have a lot of feelings (laughs) like Mm -hmm. whatever it is like but I'm showing up not because I am resisting that you have a different opinion not because i am ego invested in you changing it mm-hmm. or in me yelling at you to prove i'm a good person like right i am i am how can you show up in a way yeah it's like less about being calm i think even and more it's just about being like grounded mm. in you right it's like i'm in my lane yeah like, i'm gonna show up and like i'm rooted in my lane and what i want to share or communicate here which i cannot control the receiving of it you may hear yeah. it you may not. Maybe I will vary my rhetorical approach or tone or whatever if I think that's useful, whatever. Sure. Like there's a lot of different ways to have conversations, but like it's really about being in your like own lane. Like it feels very emotionally and energetically different when you are in that place. Mm-hmm. And when you are unmoored from your own grounding and you're being like dragged around the room by the other person's thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Like, when you're allowing yourself no, to be that. And it's so true. You like, and you so, you feel it so deeply. It's I, physical. It's, it's, it's an emotion. That's it's created physical. By your yeah. I remember it was maybe about a year ago now, but I had a um, interaction with a family member and it was something that I feel so strongly about and I know is right for me and I deeply believe in and in this conversation um my voice raised and I started crying because I felt so passionate about it and I was just letting out certain grief that I had that Mm -hmm. family member took my quote-unquote meltdown Mm -hmm. as basically a way to disregard my opinion in the matter Mm And I walked to look at you getting so emotional, right? That it's hysterical. You know, Jessica's always a mess. She's emotional, whatever. It's like you negate my point. But in that moment, I was I walked away, even though I knew that that person felt that way. And I still felt good and confident in what I had stated. And I didn't regret my actions because I was like, no, I was in my being. Mm, And I and I feel deeply about what I like the things that I said and my and the way that my body literally reacted to how I felt and me almost grieving and mourning certain things. And I felt good about it, even though the person yeah. I know disregarded what I said. And that was and it's so funny that we're talking about this because that was that is that moment that has stuck out in my head as like this really cathartic moment where I felt like I was really in my own oh, body. Wow. Yeah, you're being so you like confident. Always go back to that, right? I when always go back space, to that. It doesn't matter. Right. It's like you mm-hmm. can have the hardest relationship conversation. You can 
say whatever. And you just know, like you are just showing up to tell your truth. Mm -hmm. And ideally, depending on the situation, to actually hear what the other person is saying. You Mm -hmm. know, when we go in being like, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, we just, I mean, especially these like very polarized conversations. Everybody's read all the things on the internet. (laughs) Nobody is like, you are not like coming in with some fact that you're not like, actually it's sodium chloride. And they're like, oh my God, (laughs) this is all resolved now, right? Like there's so much going on there that it's not about like, I think, you know, and then when you're in your, I think also when you do your own work, then you know that like you have a different agenda for different conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you're like, Oh, I think, you know, I really, I want to understand where this person is coming from. Like, I feel like, like in dating, I'm often like, okay, this person's a very different opinion than I do. I want to understand what their rationale is. Like if I'm choosing someone to be a friend or an intimate partner, like I want to see what the values are behind this. And if like, I can, there's enough overlap that even though it like our rationales aren't exactly the same or it doesn't manifest in the same way, I can, so I'm actually like curious rather than like, no, you're wrong and you need to agree with me. Right. Right. And then sometimes I might actually want to change someone's mind. Or try to. I don't, I try not to touch changing it, but I might be like, my goal is to try to at least show them a different way of thinking. And that's kind of what I want to do. So I'm going to listen very carefully to what they're saying. I'm going to try to understand their values and principles. I'm going to try to appeal to those. I'm going to try to use tools of persuasion that acknowledge where they are. Like, Mm -hmm. that's another way of being. And then sometimes I'm like, I just have to tell you what my experience is right now. Like, this is what I believe. And it's important for me, for myself to say something. I think a lot of those like conversations with your racist family member or whatever, that's really the category they're often in. Yeah. You know, these are like, sometimes these are like fights you've been having for decades. You probably are not going to change that person's mind. It's not about that. Right. It's Mm -hmm. just about knowing that you've done the work on yourself so that it's more important to you to say something for your own integrity. And sometimes you won't also, it's not always one or the other, but it's just different conversations, different strategies, different approaches, but all of them have to start with like, I have my own back and I know what's like mine here mm-hmm. and what's me trying to control someone else, which I can't do. Yeah. That just g- g- put off a little light bulb with me because me, sometimes I will avoid, I will not engage in a conversation where I want. So like, you know, this friend that I'm talking about, maybe she brought up something that I'm like, I know that like, I don't think this is right. And I think this is rooted in racism, but I don't really have a, I'm very like logical debatey kind of person. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to break down quickly as she's saying this, like, where is the the logic that leads to this yeah. being racist? And I can't find it. So I'm like, it's better to just not engage in this where instead of maybe, maybe the the assumptions I'm making is like, if I, if I'm going to disagree with her, I need points to back it up so that I can prove what she is saying is false so that she will know that I am right. And I am therefore proving that what she is saying is immoral or is wrong. Right. Instead, maybe all I needed to do in that situation is be like, you know, I don't really agree with what you're saying. I just, mm-hmm. I don't, that does not resonate with me. I, I don't, no, I, I, I can't say I agree with you on that. And I can just literally leave it there. And I just kind of had that light bulb. I'm like, that's really powerful to just even be able to do something like that and just be like, mm-hmm. yeah. no, I don't. I honestly, I mean, you're saying, you know, and I'm saying I, I don't. I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I don't agree with you about that. Or like, I think yeah. that's a stereotype or yeah. like that hasn't been my experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't. I mean, think about it when someone tries to convince you. This is the thing. Like, we're all so myopic when we get like this. Like, think about when someone tries to convince you that what you're saying is immoral. Are you right. like, oh, my God, tell me more. I'm so interested. 
opinion about that. Yeah. No, you're like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> That's like, well, or sometimes, or sometimes maybe I'm thinking that people are going to think how I do. Cause I'm like, well, if someone's got this, the data to back it up, I will may not admit it in that moment, but I'll sit back later and be like, fuck, they hit me with those percentages and I can't argue with that. Like, that person's right, you know? Yeah, but, but like, like, you may be more involved. That's right? what I, well, I'm saying. Not everyone, yeah. yeah, I'm assuming that other people, if I hit them with those facts, that they're going right. to go home but and also, think about it. we all it. think, like, our own self-conceptions are not accurate. <laughs> yeah. So everybody thinks that they're amenable to data, but that other people are, are irrational. But, like, at some sure. point, some of us are not right about that. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. so yeah, true. And it's so powerful also when, because when you can show up like that without that sort of like you're wrong and immoral and I'm going to change your mind. Right. I think sometimes people are actually more inclined to engage with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Then it's like when you're like, well, I just really, you know, I think that that's a stereotype. And in my experience, it's really been the opposite. Like in my experience, you know, undocumented immigrants are working incredibly hard and yeah. like all the people I've ever met who are undocumented had families they were trying to provide, you know, like, blah, blah, whatever your yeah. thing is. Number one, you're just saying your experience. Yeah. Number two, like sometimes I think, not always, but sometimes then when you are in that calm space, right, then it's almost like if they want to engage, then they have to come to you. Yeah. Right. It's like there has to be like some interestness or openness or willingness on their part because you're just like in a negotiation kind of like you're just sort of sitting back of like, that's what you think. Just laying it on the table. That's what I think. And then it's like, if they want to engage, they kind of have to come to you. And then you maybe have room for more conversation rather than you jumping into their space and trying to choke them Yeah, to make them see something differently. Yeah. And I guess it could be as simple, even, even if you're feeling really impassioned in the moment, don't feel like you can go to that calm space. I'm just thinking for myself, I could be like, no, I I just really don't agree with that. I don't. And like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you can come just like that's the thing you like, build up. And just like, <laughs> yeah, and you build up that all of a sudden my volume went very low. I don't know what happened. Um, and then you build up that like identity with yourself as someone who like says what you believe mm-hmm. and who has your own back and who stands up for what you believe. And then I think over time you get even more and more willing to do that and have those conversations. And it doesn't always have to be aggressive. Like one of my favorite techniques when somebody tells a racist or sexist joke or whatever is to just completely play dumb and act like I don't understand mm. and make them spell it out. Mm. So like they tell a sexist joke and I'll say, I don't understand. I don't get it. Why is it funny? <laughs> and then I'll just like keep asking questions. So they have to spell out until they get to the point where they have to say like, well, it's funny because women are stupid. <laughs> or you're like whatever they're getting to, which sounds so much worse than the joke. And like, then, and then wow. you feel very warranted in being like, I, that's not By funny. By that time, yeah. it's become so awkward yeah, and uncomfortable. Everyone's just <laughs> silent in the room. Or like they're just yeah, like, well, but it's so powerful. Yeah. Right? It's like not always about like punching someone in the face. I'm not saying you know if you want to punch, <laughs> go ahead. But like it doesn't always have to be when you when you don't have your ego in it of like I have to attack them or show them they're wrong or whatever. Then you can get much more creative. That's so like so, or just be yeah. like I'm so I don't get it. Wait, why is that funny? What's the but what why? Because what are they like? What? <laughs> It's genius. That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> well, okay. So it, off of this, um, with everything lately, like, do you have any tips with people right now on dealing with social media? Let's say because right no, now Lord, everybody should be on social media ten percent as much. That's really 
Correct. Just just to cut just cut that time. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, you know, I use social media for my for my work too. Sure. Um, I, I think that um, social media is a great way to learn what triggers you, and mm. to do some thought work <laughs> digging in. You get mm-hmm. to you get to be exposed to all different kinds. You know, I. I know it's so unsatisfying, but I like, I don't really have tips and tricks because I really think it depends. Like I do know people who genuinely, they love debating people online. It like doesn't stress them out. They find it fun. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, well then that person, maybe that is a way that they, you know, I will say one thing I do think, here's one thing I think about with social media. And this happens to me when people, when I'm like, people comment on my post or whatever it is. It's not, if I'm going to engage it's not going to be because my goal is to change the other person's mind. It's the same thing, right? My goal is going to be to share what I know or my perspective because maybe somebody reading it who is on the fence or who hasn't fully right. formulated their opinion mm-hmm. or who isn't feeling like it's like coaching. Sometimes I coach someone and they're super resistant and I'm like, this coaching is not really for them. True. It's like for everybody else on the call watching who's going to learn something because they're not being personally right it's not it's not moment. yeah it's objective for them they're yeah, people are very defensive you know once people get activated and defensive you're very unlikely to change their mind in a facebook fight yeah but that doesn't mean that there's no value to sharing your statistics or your reasoning or mm-hmm. your passion or whatever it may just be for someone else so it's kind of the same thing like if you're going to engage in it know your reasons Right. Make sure you like them. Mm-hmm. Not like I have to show off for my other friends. So they know I'm a good enough ally. That's not going to feel good. Mm-hmm. Or I have to change this person's opinion because they're not allowed to think this way. Not going to feel good. It never feels good to resist the, the fact that other people have intellectual autonomy. I wish I could change it, too, but they do. <laughs> right. So it's like what reason is going to feel good to you? Mm. So it's really I think it's the same. It's like the tip is the same. Like, how do you want to show up as yourself? And like making decisions from there. So I don't, you know, sometimes I engage. I don't really have a rule. Like usually it has something to do with like either the audience or, you know, do I even know this person? Do we have a relationship? Do I care enough to try to (laughs) educate them? Mm -hmm. Do I have a point that hasn't already been made? I mean, I'm a coach. So I always think that like facts and figures we kind of know sadly about human brains that those don't really change people's opinion. They just double down. Hmm. So like the studies show, for instance, if you show people who um, don't believe in climate change, the evidence of climate change, they actually more strongly don't believe in climate change. They will double down on their original belief. This is a real problem with human brains that we have to (laughs) grapple with when we're thinking about how to change people's minds or how to change our own minds. minds, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I really, so I don't, I don't go in there being like, here's 400 statistics. Like they, you know, I will usually participate if I think that I see a way to, since I do thought work, like give an analogy or a metaphor that might kind of like boop somebody's brain a little bit. (laughs) You know, like I did a lot of teaching around internalized white supremacy around the murder of George Floyd. And one of the things that I found really effective for appealing to kind of um, liberal-ish white women who think they aren't racist, mm-hmm. right, was mm-hmm. to say like, hey, you know, we have, a, we have a relationship of trust and authority already. Like you believe me, you follow me, you listen to my podcast. If you've believed me and it's resonated with you when I tell you that you've absorbed social messaging about your body or about being mm-hmm. a woman, I want you to contemplate the idea that you may also have absorbed social messaging about race and racism. And that Mm -hmm. was like a very effective way of trying to show someone something new in a way that wasn't about calling them 
racist. It wasn't about even facts and figures. It was just sort of in my wheelhouse, like this is what I do. This is where I have authority. This is where I am effective of showing them a way that like their mind might be being impacted that they didn't know. And I found it had a lot of people respond to that in a like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think you have to know kind of like, what's your special sauce? <laughs> like, what can you offer the movement? How can you engage? And how can you, I always think like, how can you think about not so much like, I don't like the content of what this person's saying. It's how is this person thinking? Like, what can I see about their thought process Mm -hmm. here? And if I do want to try to engage, like, that's what I always try to get at, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise Mm -hmm. it's like, it's sort of like when you're, it's like arguing about whether somebody likes something different than you like, you know, it's like when somebody has like a normative, like an emotional attachment to something in that way, it's like, you can't really argue with them about that and showing them math isn't going to change it. But sometimes if you can be like, oh, I see that you really care about X. And so it seems like this makes sense. I really care about X too. And I see it this way. This then makes, it's like a different way of kind of trying to speak to them. Mm -hmm. That makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I also think you do make a good point about the audience thing because uh, for me, it's been easier for me to digest sometimes when I see someone else. uh, If we're talking about the conversation about white supremacy, I remember years ago, um, I was following someone, I can't remember who it was, but it's one of those people who's now really, really famous for anti-racist work in in white women, a black woman. And she would take... um, she would basically reply to people and I'd see her calling out people in the comments and I could read that as an unemotional observer mm-hmm. and see that and be like, oh shit, I was maybe had that same yeah. thought as that person she called mm-hmm. out. And even though that person might have felt incredibly defensive and attacked, it might not have worked for them. Right. Me as an observer, I was like, oh fuck, yeah, I would have done the same thing. Okay. But since I wasn't the one being attacked, it's like easy to to oh. to do that work in myself and be like, I am not going to say that anymore because now I see... Mm-hmm. yeah this coaching is like that too like when you're coaching someone directly their brain is like they're like a deer in headlights you know they're just like you know totally like what are you saying my thoughts are are wrong about you know just like but everybody watching it's like oh it's so easy to see Sarah, right like you're removed maybe. you're yeah the, the ego yeah. is removed from the situation right. like you're so, saying I mean, that's a good thing about social media i'll yeah. say it's so a lot of bad talk but when you have a one-on-one conversation there's no audience who can benefit from it if True. the other person doesn't respond and on social media other people may read and think that's Mm. very true that's very true excellent sorry brads had to turn the air on quick because it's 115 degrees outside and the studio (laughs) is starting to catch on fire Mm -hmm. um okay i know this is kind of a big question to end you on but i what is the meaning of life what is the meaning of life no how do we get to heaven <laughs> Help me get to heaven, Gara. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so during um, the pandemic and quarantine life, um, I know something that a lot of people have been discussing is weight gain, body image. And I know that you mm. talk a lot about that. Um, 
and you have some great episodes on your podcast that I'll definitely link um, below. But can you give us like a little bit of an overhaul of the just help maybe some of our broads, just a little body image overhaul of our broads as we're you know everyone's quarantined up and 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 there's the fixation on memes about it. All the like oh god, all the memes about the quarantine weight gain are like don't worry, you can do this workout to lose the weight that you've gained while you know all all this. So do you mind doing a little? Well, overall, that is, such a, that is such a huge topic. It's I hard to start. I mean, uh, that's like the whole. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just be like, here's the episodes you should go listen to? Yes. I just, yeah. I just did an episode called um, "Diet Culture, Fat Phobia, and My Journey," where I talk about my experience of this, and that you know, unlike when it came to kind of sexism and other things, I already intellectually knew they were an issue, even though I hadn't before coaching, I hadn't figured out how to change how I actually thought and felt personally, but I was like mm-hmm. aware that society was impacting how I thought about myself. And when it comes to diet culture and fat phobia, I was like completely in the cult, mm-hmm. you know, just like believed everything I had been taught about weight and size. And so I really had to have like a whole full awakening in order to even do the thought work. So I understand what it's like to sort of be in the, um, to be completely in it you know, (laughs) weight gain is not inherently bad or ugly or unhealthy. All most of what you see in the media about weight and health is inaccurate. And this is I am not a like science doubter. I believe in vaccines. I believe COVID (laughs) is real. I'm talking about like the media and even most medical professionals don't actually know what the peer reviewed science on weight and health says. Mm -hmm. Because most doctors get half an hour of nutrition science in medical school and our society is incredibly fat biased. So if you go back a hundred years, there was all of this quote unquote science about the inferiority of, you know, the quote unquote colored races and the superiority of white people. There has always been science, quote unquote science, not usually the real good science, but a lot of like just general knowledge. Everyone knows it's obvious it's in the news. And my doctor told me kind of science Mm -hmm. that backs up whatever a culture's oppressive systems are. There was a lot of quote unquote science about men being smarter than women and women being hysterical. And, you know, in every age, like you got to be real suspicious when all of the supposed science is supposedly lining up with kind of a a moral condemnation and oppression of a whole group of people. Mm. So if you actually look at the science, for instance, being underweight is dramatically more dangerous to your health than being overweight anorexia has the highest mortality of any mental health disorder because being underweight is so damaging to your health compared to being overweight. On the extremes, there are health impacts of being very, very underweight or very, very overweight. These are all terms we've made up that don't have specific definitions. But within that, you you are usually, you are um, being being moderately quote unquote overweight is actually more protective against death, for instance, than being moderately underweight. So, and you know, diabetes is not caused by what you eat. (laughs) There's like a lot of science out there. People should Google the health at any size movement Mm. to learn about what actually causes um, physical problems. Some of it can be caused by um, the, your metabolic system, which can be impacted by what you eat and is genetic it actually has nothing to do with weight. There are thin people who have blood sugar regulation problems too with whatever that produces for them. Again, some combination of genetics, lifestyle, environment, like what you're raised around, environmental 
pollution, stress, food deserts, all of that. There's also quite a bit of science now showing that many of the detrimental effects that are attributed to higher weight individuals are actually caused by yo-yo dieting and how it fucks up your endocrine and hormonal system. Mm. And to the systematic stress of living in society as a fat person, just like we are coming to see that a lot of the um, disproportionate outcomes in health, the health disparities among people of different races, especially in America, are partly caused by economics and access to healthcare, but also are literally call, caused by the stress of living under racist conditions mm. and not getting appropriate medical care, the same way the fat people don't get appropriate medical care, right? Not, mm-hmm. not getting the same kind of attentiveness, not having the same kind of outcomes. So, Every, basically, everything you know is wrong. <laughs> You've been, you have been socially conditioned to hate and fear your body. As a woman, you've been socially conditioned to be alienated from your body, to think it's an object that you should try to control and shape, and that your moral worth and your appeal and your everything is based on it. I will stop talking about this because it's going on forever, but I'll say this one interesting thing that I learned recently that I'm currently obsessed with because it just shows how culturally constructed it is is that I think a, not a lot of people, but like people have heard before, you know, like different societies have different beauty norms. That's totally true, right? In societies where there's not enough food, being plumper or rounder is considered beautiful because mm-hmm. it is associated with elite, with the elite and with having enough to eat. Mm-hmm. Now we live in a society where there's, for pe- for some people, some people still don't get enough to eat even in America, but for people of, of certain economic classes, there's an overabundance of food more than anyone could ever eat. And so being thin is associated with eliteness and is seen as beautiful. But in America, the like association of thinness and morality was in part created very consciously in the 1830s by women's magazines as part of upholding the institution of slavery. So in the 1830s, women's magazines began exhorting white women to control their figures and their diets and restrain themselves around food in order to demonstrate the superiority and sort of Christian moral character they had compared to Black people, enslaved Black people, especially enslaved Black women who were supposedly gluttonous and lazy and overly sexual. So you see this like creation of this ideology happening like in real time. You fast forward a hundred, you know, almost 200 years later, and is it any wonder that women feel guilty about what they eat Mm. right Mm -hmm. which makes no sense on the surface you're like my cat has never felt guilty about what he eats (laughs) right when it's like a decomposing mouse he never feels guilty about it right (laughs) dogs will sometimes feel guilty if they're caught but like animals will like (laughs) eat your food while you're turned away they don't feel moral you know Mm -hmm. shame about that they ate it maybe if they stole it they feel bad about that but if you give them a burger they definitely don't feel guilty that they Mm. ate it right like all of the so i mean all of which is to say there is not a small hack honestly for like feeling better about your quarantine weight loss because Mm -hmm. it is like such a massive deprogramming that has to go on in your brain um but you could start with a a basic thought like it's possible that my weight does not determine my worth it's possible that like how much adipose tissue is on my body doesn't have anything to do with whether i'm allowed to exist or not or i'm a good person it's possible my body is an animal and a home for me to live in and not an object for me to constantly be shaping and trying to change all sorts of all sorts of baby step thoughts listen to the podcast we will i will link i will link some of those episodes below because they are game-changing cara 
I mean, you're a goddess that I worship. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you. But being a coach is I know that that's about you and not about me, but thank you. Everybody. Just you can take it anyways. You can take it anyways. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. We so appreciate you. All those episodes will be linked. Can you tell the people where they can get coached by you and find you? Yes, you can find me on my podcast called Unfuck Your Brain. It's available anywhere you get your podcasts or at unfuckyourbrain.com. And if all of this piqued your interest, you can come join The Clutch, which is my feminist coaching community. And it's where I go deep in all the stuff that we've been talking about. I teach a step-by-step system for we've talked a lot about this, like, you got to figure out what you're thinking, then how do you change it? So in the clutch, I teach you a step-by-step process you can use to do that for any area of your life. And then we've got tons of coaching support from me and other coaches and fellow community members to help you apply it to all the areas of your life that you struggle with. It's my favorite place. Amazing. It'll all be linked. Cara, thank you so much. Broads, let's start working on unfucking our brains. Yes. And uh, we'll chat soon. Chat soon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>